Good morning and welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, we'll be getting to grips with the new derelict home grants for the first-time buyers and how it'll all work. As we mark Earth Overshoot Day this week, we'll be hearing from presenter Blanard's Tracy on the latest initiative to rebuild our country's forests. And former Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan joins me to talk about why the utility room is the must-have in celebrity homes and how you can make an impact with yours. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Instagram and Twitter at Sinead Ryan 100. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show in our podcasts on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, you're very welcome along uh, this morning folks and uh, I hope that you are thoroughly uh, planning on enjoying your bank holiday weekend whatever the weather brings. Now most new built houses for the last 20 years or so have come with almost as standard a utility room and it seems mad that anybody managed without one Uh, and even in small apartments there's even a cupboard or a space dedicated to laundry or cleaning stuff or somewhere to put the hoover I love mine but it's tiny so I did a refurb of it during lockdown last year and uh, the biggest decision I made and the best one was to get rid of my big bulky expensive tumble dryer and I'm delighted it's freed up extra space I have to find other ways to dry clothing, which have turned out to be better. Uh, But I'm going to be chatting later on to Jennifer Sheehan about utility rooms generally and find out whether she has one in her very, very tiny award-winning home. I'm guessing not. But I'd love to hear from you about yours. Anybody out there use it for anything other than laundry? And if so, what do you keep in it? Is it spruced up and tidy or a horror show? when you open the door and everything falls out on top of you. Text me on 53106 or email us at com. And don't worry, I'll be getting some great advice, uh, I hope, about how to make yours perfect. Perhaps a bank holiday project if you have nothing planned. You're very welcome along to The Home Show. Now, with the housing crisis raging on this month, the government introduced yet another scheme to help first-time buyers, a derelict homes grant for those who wish to refurbish a vacant or derelict property to live in. To unpack what's involved now with this, I'm joined by uh, an expert on all things to do with (laughs) money and switching and moving and grants, Dara Cassidy from Comparison and Switching Website, Bonkers.ie. Welcome back to the studio, Dara. Thanks for that generous introduction, Sinead. (laughs) Now, who, okay, first of all, who is this aimed at? Because on this occasion, it's actually not just first-time buyers. No, it's not. Um, although first-time buyers will probably be most interested in it. But it is aimed at bringing derelict and vacant properties back into use. And whilst first-time buyers are the main focus, um, it's also open to people who maybe want to move um, home. Maybe they're selling their home and they're moving to a town or a village where dereliction is a, a, an issue. Now, it's not open to property developers or anything like that. Um, it's also open as well, uh, similar to the recent first home scheme, to people who are divorced and may previously had had a home, mm. but who have no interest in it, and also people who uh, maybe have been previously declared bankrupt as well. Yeah, and this, w- this was an issue for government because... Um, all the housing stats show us that the biggest demand is in for very small properties, for maybe single people who are divorced or separated 
and have had to leave their family home uh, and, and have nowhere to live and nowhere to go. And these small little shoebox apartments don't allow kids to come and visit or anything. So it's good to have a scheme that looks after them. Yeah, absolutely. It's not all about first time buyers. As you said yourself, there are other people in situations who are struggling to buy a home as well. So it's great that they're also being considered. Right. Now, so let's define then what a vacant or derelict property means? So there's a few criteria. So it needs to be vacant for at least two years. Um, so if somebody has been living in it recently, then it doesn't qualify as a vacant home. And then if it is to qualify as a derelict home, uh, you would need to get a surveyor in and prove that it is structurally mm. unsound and that is you know, dangerous to live in. Uns- Imagine having to qualify that it's structurally <laughs> unsound uh, to be able to buy it. I, I know. And then another important thing is that you can't buy a home that was built after 1993. So they're the, 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 yeah, okay. the two big things. So before 1993, two years vacant. And then um, if, if you want to qualify for the top-up grant for the derelict element, um, you need to get a surveyor in to prove it. Okay, so we're really talking, are we talking here then about those kind of ribbon developments that you see outside the cities one-off cottage, a stone cottage fallen down, the roof off it on half an acre of scrubland. Is that the kind of thing they're hoping to include here? Well, well yes and no, because another point to, to point out, which may um, you know, disappoint some people, is that it doesn't apply to homes or properties in the main towns and cities at the moment. Yeah. So Cork, Limerick, Galway, Dublin uh, and their, their suburbs. Uh, now it's based on CSO data. So for example, Balbriggan would be considered actually outside the Dublin suburbs. So you could apply for it if you live there. So you have to be going really to a more rural area. Mm. But other than that, it's, it's quite open as to the type of property as long as, you know, it's been built before 1993. It's been two years vacant. Um, it can as well previously have been a non-residential use. So, for example, if there's a pub in a town that hasn't been used oh, for several right. years, that can be converted okay. back into residential use. OK, and I'm sure there was a lot. They went through n- notions there about converting garden stations into houses and railway cottages and all that kind of thing. Um, so let's get to the, the numbers then. Wh- how much is the grant that's available? So it's up to 30 grand if it is a vacant home but if you can then prove that it's actually also derelict so it's structurally unsound that you would need more money to bring mm. it up into habitable use there was another 20 grand on top of that right. so 50,000 potentially so that's like that's quite significant and of course most of these properties then um, because of the places they're in and the types of houses they are they would possibly come into the first time buyer's budget now you're going to have to fund the rest of it. Exactly. And I suppose this is the main issue. There's a few issues. First is that you're obviously going to have to get a mortgage. And what people maybe realise before they get a mortgage is that banks do kind of two types of underwriting. They underwrite you and your finances. So they look at your credit cards, your current account, your wage. But then they underwrite the house as well. So they look Mm -hmm. at the house that you're buying. And now you might say, well, during the Celtic Tiger era, they didn't look at the houses particularly (laughs) well. Nobody else did either. But technically, they are supposed to look at the house and then decide whether or not they'll give you the mortgage. So you could run in, particularly with some lenders who might say, well, like, listen, Sinead, you're a great bet. There's 300 grand for a new home. But then when they look at the house that you want to buy, they might say, well, hang on, we're not going to let, let you buy this, you know, ruin here in the middle of nowhere. So now, I think estate agents would call it a project. <laughs> Bijou project. <laughs> yeah. And then the other age problem as well is getting the, 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 the men and the women, the construction men and the construction women yeah. to do this work. You need to have, I suppose, I can see a lot of architects maybe taking this on as a pet project. And then you wonder, are they the people who really need the help? But 
you'd want to make sure in the current climate and given the current inflationary climate and the staff shortages in the construction sector that you're really able to take that on a project. That you're going to be able to complete because first-time buyers are often the group that don't have spare contingency cash lying around to finish it or to delay it. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of ducks to line up here then, uh, Dara, before people can get this. Do you think it's a bit of a wheeze then? You know, it's kind of let's announce something that sounds generous, but actually only five people will end up getting it. Or There's an element of that. I do think dereliction is a huge, huge issue in towns and cities. And in some ways, I feel this is more to do with tackling dereliction as it is the housing crisis. I think the first time buyers scheme, the first home scheme are probably better schemes for people yeah. um, if they want to get their foot on the property ladder. This scheme to me seems more about tackling dereliction, which is a huge, huge issue. I was just a bit disappointed, though, that it doesn't apply to the main towns and cities. Um, Dublin city centre is rife with dereliction, as is Cork city centre and parts. So so that's a little bit um, mm. maybe disappointed. But the government has said that they're going to re- review this over the coming months and years. Yeah, I suppose it's expensive for local authorities to run a grant system that isn't a loan. I mean, they're, fi- they're just giving this money out for free. So, like... I suppose if you applied it to every street and town in in cities, you'd be kind of, they'd be bankrupt, wouldn't they? Yes, they they, they could. But then you just do worry, are people who maybe want to bring a property back into use, um, a lot of listeners might be living in the big towns and cities, but like I said, they they can't apply for it. So I just wonder if the location is going to be, uh, you know, an issue. But we will see. The government says they'll keep it under review. Is there a danger, Dara, do you think that... You might, as you said earlier, you might get a kind of a smart architect who'll say, oh, do you know what? That would be a great weekend project for me. Uh, I'll do it up, um, live there for five minutes and then flip it. And uh, Or is there any barrier against that? No, good question. But there is a barrier. So you need to live in it as your main home. So as I said, it can't be property developers or anything like that. It's supposed to be for people who are going to use the home. Or a holiday as their, home. Yeah, it has okay. to be your principal private residence or your principal dwelling, as they say. If you move home within five years, you have to pay the full grant back. If you move over five years, but before 10 years, you have to give 75% back. Oh, right. And if you move after 10 years, uh, nothing is clawed back. Okay. So you do need to make sure that you're going to live in okay. it for a few and years. And I suppose from the taxpayer's point of view, that's probably a sensible Absolutely, precaution yeah. and, and make sure that people don't get too much. Okay, so look, look, it's kind of niche. Would you would you agree? Yeah, and you know, it's just you need to make sure that you're going to be able be able to take on work this big, um, bringing whatever about a vacant home, but definitely a derelict home that could be structurally unsound back into use is not an easy job. Uh, as I've said, with. Sh- construction men and construction women in short supply you could be taking on a project that's that's bigger Indeed. than what you're able to cope and like with like we hear from first time buyers all the time like you know they're working flat out to try and cobble the deposit together I'm thinking of the nurse and the guard trying to buy a home probably neither of them know anything about construction or electrical wiring yep. or building or planning or anything like that and it'll be you know a big bite of the cherry to kind of get something like that started wouldn't it it, it would and also, even just getting the mortgage, as we discussed, yeah. I, I just wonder, will some banks be willing to lend on what could be a pet project for someone? And I could, I can imagine as well the bureaucracy getting a little bit difficult because according to the rules, you can't draw down the money until you actually have the home. So you can't kind of get architects lined up who may be asking for money up front. Mm-hmm. You have to have the home and to have the mortgage and for it to be yours before you can draw down any money. And even to get an approval in principle, the local authority may sometimes 
sometimes ask for proof of ownership but then you can have the bank saying well we're not going to give you the mortgage until you can show us that you have the 30 or the 50 grand so I can see just a little bit of chicken and egg yes a little bit I'm sure we'll get around us but there's a little bit of that just one other quick thing though is our other grants so the SEAI has grants as well so for things like ASIC installation home installation sure We've spoken about them before. Now, can you get everything for you can, this? Yes. And you can get the help yes, to buy. Yes. Can you, you? You can get the, as far as I'm aware, you can get the help to buy. But certainly in terms of doing up the property, you can apply for grants from the SEAI for things like property um, insulation. On top and of this. On top one. of this, oh, yes. OK, OK. So potentially, like, you could be hoovering up quite a yes. bit of cash. Now, you can't obviously apply for both under different schemes. But if you do your sums right, you'll make sure that you apply for maybe the solar panels from one bars. You know, from the SEAI, and then maybe the roof could be done under the yeah, you know the, the vacant thing. home scheme. Okay, all right. Okay. Well, look, we'll see if anybody out there is interested in this scheme or plans on applying for it. Do get in touch because it'd be actually interesting to talk to somebody who's planning this as a project and seeing how they get on, um, along with all the other grants. But look, I, I can see what the minister's trying to do here, and we do have such a problem with these derelict properties. Um, sometimes they'll maybe pulling them down and doing something useful with the land is a, is a better idea. All right. Well, Dara, while I have you here, a hot topic at the moment on everybody's lips is the cost of energy and electricity and prices and all of that kind of thing. I'm not going to ask you to dig out the crystal ball out of your bag there, but um, like it's just it's getting worse, isn't it? It is. And it's going to be a really, really long and a really expensive winter for a lot of people. I think a lot of the focus has been on, you know, blackouts and Putin and a shortage of supply, which obviously gets, you know, all the headlines. But I'm more worried about actually the price because I think we'll actually get through winter relatively OK. I, just because of where we get our gas from, I don't think it's going to be shortages, at least not this winter. But what there absolutely will be is insane prices. Gas and electricity are at record levels. There was just a price increase there from Panda power two or three days ago and over and they're not alone but just I was calculating it since around the start of last year so the start of 2021 they have increased their gas and electricity prices by around 2,400 euro a year so that's the increase that's not the bill that's just the increase so you know Sinead if you're a top rate taxpayer to pay just for the increase the inflation you'd need to be earning close to five grand You know, it's a huge, huge amount of money. And it's not over yet. No. All right. Okay. Well, cheerful as always, Dara. Thank you for joining (laughs) us in studio today. Uh, And it's always lovely to see you. You do such a great job out there at bankers.ie. And at least if you are uh, struggling with all those prices, uh, do think about switching. And that's one of the ways that at least you can get independent uh, advice on prices. All right, Dara. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Now, still to come uh, on the home show after the break. uh, Well, we may get further ideas actually on how to reduce energy bills because Blanet's trade. Now, if you do not know Blanard's Tracy, and how can you not know whether the, the theme tune to Glen Row will put the Sunday Frighteners on you and uh, Blanard, of course, played Miley and Biddy's little baby in that show. Well, look, she'll be here for a different reason to talk about a new initiative to revive Irish forests. So stay tuned and uh, I'll chat to her in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show. This is Sinead Ryan with you till the top of the hour. And I was chatting away to Dara Casty before the break about uh, the new derelict homes grant that's available. It's very, very generous, possibly for a niche audience. So if you want to listen back to that, 
um, you can do so and you missed it on the podcast which is up on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Now, one of the reasons we were chatting to Dara was because we know the government is trying to do reuse and recycle properties rather than build new all the time. And we're hanging on to that theme because this week um, the planet surpassed Earth overshoot day. Now that means we'll have used up all of the resources that Earth can produce in a calendar year and we're not even in August yet. So what can we do to reverse our ecological debt um, and, and look towards a greener future? Well, Podrick Power from Refurbed joins me in studio now to discuss uh, a new initiative that they're doing. Podrick, very welcome to studio. Thanks very much, Sinead. Now, listen, things are even worse than that because Ireland is not good in this regard. So the Earth's overshoot day is this week. Mm-hmm. Ireland's? Yeah. Ireland's is the 21st of April. So yeah, a lot earlier than the Earth average. So we used up a whole calendar year's resources by April. Yep, by April, by the 21st, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, as you said, the 28th of July was Earth overshoot day overall. But what they do is they calculate the amount of resources the Earth can make in a year and they divide that by the amount of resources that humanity needs to use up and multiply it by 365 to get the number of days. But when you do it on a per capita basis and you check the amount per person living in a country, Ireland would have been April 21st, which quite scary. <laughs> it is quite scary. Um, so what is more disturbing to me is the fact that it, the date has moved back and back and back in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the first Earth Overshoot Day was calculated in 1971, so just over 50 years ago, and it was on December 25th, which, you know, it's, it's right. I think it's 150 days of a difference in just yeah. 50 years, which is a bit yeah. nuts. Yes, it, it is indeed, you know. Do you think that, I mean, surely everybody has got the reuse, recycle, repair message by now. Uh, like, yeah. where do you see the disconnect between what we should be doing and what we are doing. Because there's this conversation going on in government at the moment about the emissions and the agriculture and transport and all these kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, it is really up to government and business to make some of the bigger impacts and to do something that will help everybody overall and help the country overall. But on an individual basis, I think where it can get a little lost is that it can be quite overwhelming. So we're hearing all of this information from different sources and everything seems so big, like stop flying or don't ever buy anything new again, Mm. stop eating meat. It's not realistic. And I think it's the smaller changes that people can implement on a day to day basis and on an individual case as well that all add up. Now, talk to me a little bit about Refurbed, uh, what it is you do and, um, and how you go about your business. Yeah, absolutely. So Refurbed was actually founded due to sustainability and due to things such as uh, Earth Overshoot Day. So basically at Refurbed, we refurbished electronic devices. So whether that's smartphones, laptops, tablets, gaming consoles and more. And basically what happens is these devices were due to be e-waste. So they would have been just chucked out. They would have been adding to the problem. But with Refurbed, they're fully refurbished. They go through a 40 step process, including testing, data, um, cleansing, sterilising of the device, component changing, everything, basically, you name it, we'll do it. And then the device works just like new and it's sold on to consumers. And what's really good about it is with Refurbed, we offset any emissions throughout the process. So they're 100% sustainable. And then even more than that, they're up to 40% cheaper. So 
it's quite a good thing. It's an easy thing for people to do. They're getting a cheaper device and they're also helping the environment. So it's a kind of win-win. Now, it strikes me that that would be quite a good solution maybe for parents who are looking at back-to-school costs or back-to-college costs, uh, which are already insanely high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems every school now requires the kids to have a tablet or, or some kind of device. Could you use a refurbished device for something like that? Yeah, 100%. So we have all of the models there. So we have some older models or newer models, depending on the needs. Like, you know, primary school, for example, might need the newest, whereas someone going to university might. But what's really nice there is they all work exactly like new. And we also have three appearance grades. So the top tier, which is the excellent one, basically means it looks like it's just out of a box. They're your posh and iPads. Exactly, oh, right, yeah, okay. yeah, the fancy yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, and then the grade three, which would be our good um, products, they work exactly like new, but they might have a few scratches or bumps on them. So they're perfect, particularly for the likes of primary school children where you want something that little bit cheaper don't really care if they drop it. Yeah, it's only for the homework and the kind of looking up stuff. Right, okay. So you set up to about 40, so, so I don't know the price of those gadgets now, but how, what, what, could, what are you looking at there price-wise? So it really depends um, on what you're looking for. So with regards uh, phones or iPhones, for example, they'd mm. be one of our more popular devices. You can save hundreds, so you could save two, three hundred euro versus okay. buying it new. Laptops is a really big saving because they're so expensive these days. So um, I was looking up certain MacBooks. You can save up to a grand when you're buying on refurbed. And then tablets, again, a couple hundred euro usually around that. And and you have ta- undertaken this work yourself. So like it's quality work and it's guaranteed and all that kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. Great. Okay, yeah. all right. Do you think um, that we're going to have to really dig deep now with all of our stuff and, and start doing things like this, not just in gadgets, but but a lot of the stuff around the home that we have, we, we cover upcycling of mm-hmm. furniture, for instance, a lot on the show. And we've had some great guests on, you know, who, who've been really involved in it. But do you think it just needs to become a duty for all of us to to really examine in our home what we cannot replace it's, and, uh, you know, and, and repair or recycle? Yeah, I think so, 100%. And I think what's really important is the power of the individual in that as well. Because I think we often think, oh, it's just me. I'm not going to make a big difference. But when we see a lot of people making this cultural change to upcycling items or to just buying refurbished or renewed items, then that puts pressure on businesses. It puts pressure on government Mm. to make sure that we have the options there. So, for example, furniture stores might now have a section that here's what you need if you want to upcycle your old Mm. table or to have those solutions there for people. And that's what will make the big change down the line. And I think the power of the community together will really help with that. Yeah. All right. Now, where can people find out more about you and about Refurbed? Yes, refurbed.ie. So um, I'll spell it. It's it's R-E-F-U-R-B-E-D.ie. And yeah, you can check us out there. We'd be delighted to see you. Great. Okay. Well, listen, it's it's almost August now. So unfortunately, families are beginning to think about school. Ah! (laughs) So um, maybe that'll be something that can save them a few bob. Porig Power from Refurbed. Thank you very much for coming into studio. Thanks so much, Sinead. Now, I suppose we can often feel a bit powerless when it comes to big themes like fixing climate change or saving the environment. Uh, but a new initiative to plant native Irish trees to offset carbon emissions might just be one small way we can all help the planet. A uh, well presenter, Blaneth Tracy, has been helping out the team behind one of these initiatives and she's here to tell us more. You're very welcome to studio, Blaneth. How are you? Good. This is lovely. Lovely, lovely. lovely to see you. And lovely to see you. Now, we've been talking about just before there, Earth Overshoot Day. Um, 
Um, and as I said, we can often feel a little disheartened and overwhelmed by that information and, you know, that what's ahead of us and absolutely, yeah. how badly we seem to have done in, in making an impact on this particular issue. Now, yeah. you've been involved with an initiative to revive Irish forests. Yes, it's great. So um, I, my husband and I, we bought our house in 2020 in Stony Badder. Lovely house, but it's a very old house. So we need to do a lot of work to the place. Very cold. So we needed to insulate and do all that sort of stuff. And uh, we did a whole big job on it. And then, of course, the fun stuff. So putting in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff happened. And a collaboration came up, which I was just so thrilled to jump on board with, Cosentino. So they have these beautiful rain of stones that they use but they're all they're man-made stones but they're made sustainably so the countertop was um, made out of uh, recycled pieces and all of the production it's all recycled water and all of that which is great because we wanted it to be as kind of sustainable as possible mm, mm. as well as that they are planting partners with grown forest and these guys are amazing so um, they launched uh, Black Friday 2019 Neil McCabe and Damien Bly and what they did was they asked people rather than you know go buy loads of clothes or TVs and all that sort of stuff on a Black Friday why not buy trees that can be planted and you can offset your carbon footprint and in that day they sold 800 trees so um, it kind of just went from there so the guys basically what they do is they plant native Irish trees in Ireland and the whole idea is that they want to reforest Ireland it's all about decarbonisation protecting ecosystems they're going to be planting oak yew holly hazel birch and I went out with them one of the days um out to County Wicklow. So I'm from County Wicklow, I'm from Bray, uh, but I live in Dublin. So it was really nice because they were taking baby oak trees from the Phoenix Park, which is basically my back garden, Mm. and then planting them in Wicklow. So it was just so lovely. And these baby oak trees, they take years to grow and they cost about €150. So Cosentino, the guys that we got our kitchen countertops off, they have pledged to plant 300 trees all over Ireland in the years to come. And it's such a good initiative because, you know, you hear a lot of Companies who kind of like they want to be sustainable, but this actually has real longevity. Like no, these trees do- will last. Like it does, and and forestation. And I know that's one of the kind of planks that government are trying to maybe get some farmers uh, to move towards. You know, mm. away from kind of um, uh, animal and dairy and all that, and try and look at forestry. It's not going to work everywhere. There's a lot of land not suitable. You're what far too young to remember the turn of the millennium. <clears throat> where the government gave it planted a tree for everybody and oh, we got right. a certificate I still have mine ah. we have a certificate to say your tree is planted in Kilkenny it's L5123 or whatever Brilliant. if you ever went down have and had to look around tree? I haven't visited ah. my tree but I kind of think now it's been so long it's been 22 years it must be a fairly tall tree by yeah. now and that's the thing isn't it and actually these guys what they want to do as well is get school children in so that they can plant these trees and then come back in years to come and see their tree and visit them and yes. see and see. would you consider yourself planted now kind of very try to be very sustainable mm. you're of that kind of uh, that millennial kind of age group where right, it yeah. is a, it's more than a buzzword it's it a way is. of living do you know what and the thing as you were saying actually at the start that it can be quite intimidating and you don't even know where to begin and I kind of always say like it's not about being perfect but if you can make one small change even if the small change is using a keep cup for your coffee in the morning Mm. rather than when you go and you just Mm. get the takeaway cup if it's something small like that or just paying better attention when you're doing your recycling because you know people just throw sometimes they can throw uh, items in that are a little bit dirty and they need to be cleaned so it's just about being that little bit more conscious and if you're listening and maybe you own a company and you want to try offset some of your carbon why not get in touch with these guys and you could pledge 
to donate um, some money towards planting some trees. Yeah, the whole green agenda, and I, I kind of have mixed views on it from a corporate point of view because there is a little greenwashing that goes on with yeah. some companies, you yeah. know, and they kind of say, oh, look what we're doing here, we're being super green. But in fact, uh, you know, it it can be just really a tagline for exactly, something or yes. advertising. So you have to kind of be careful um, to make, you know, I think maybe there should be some structures on pl- in place that companies have to be seen to be, do- you know, it has yeah. to be something legitimate. Um, now, you were mentioned at the top there about renovating your own yeah. home. And um, of course, we all feel we're living in it now. We've been following it on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, oh, it's been, have you ever renovated a house? I have not. Oh, uh, and, dear. Uh, but I've spoken to many, many people <laughs> on this show to, t- to put me off it for life. I have Honestly, to tell you. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> The next house we buy is going to be brand new. Oh, no, yeah. no. Listen, we absolutely, like, we love living in Stony Batter. We've been living there for eight years. We were lucky enough that we actually were renting the house that we bought for years before we bought it. So we kind of knew what we wanted to do. And um, it was meant to take about two months. It took six months. Yeah. yeah. These you things, see, they go on and on and on. They do. They take yeah. longer and uh, they're always more expensive than you planned. Yeah. But you have a beautiful home now and yeah. a pink front door. Yes, our pink front door. Uh, now, I had to kind of twist Charlie's arm on that one, but I got my way and I absolutely love it. It's beautiful. It was either that or green and I just said, you know what, let's just go pink. Why not? And uh, the amount of comp- I've actually had people knocking on the door saying, where is this door from? We had a colour psychologist on the show a few weeks back um, and actually it'd be worth if you want to listen back to the podcast on it and she was talking about the colour you paint your front doors oh, really? what it says about your personality oh, no. inside what does it say about well, us well I'm fairly certain it would say exuberant oh. bright and bubbly <laughs> <laughs> so don't know Lovely. who that refers to maybe it's her husband <laughs> <laughs> maybe what was the hardest bit of the renovation Blanet? the hardest bit of the renovation do you know what it's kind of there's a moment and I think everyone says this there's a moment when you think it's never going mm. to be done mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can actually move. It's livable. So it's just that kind of waiting. It's bridging that gap because we had to like knock down walls, rebuild. Do you know what? It was all quite difficult. It's actually the... um it's getting everybody on the same schedule. So getting the electrician, yeah, the plumber yeah. and the builder all available at the same time, that is quite challenging. You're, you almost feel like you're project managing. Mm. And yeah, I am quite an organised person, but I, I'm honestly, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. And it is so much fun kind of putting your stamp on things. But it's difficult. It's challenging. Yeah. 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 All right. And listen, uh, do you ever get... Uh, recognised nowadays you wouldn't get recognised as the baby on Glen Rowan uh, of course but you know you're, you're so well known in your own right now <laughs> but people still yeah. remember you don't they it does happen it's so funny every interview I do as well people bring it up because I guess it was just so part of people's lives for a long time well but it was yeah. and, you know that the, the, the Sunday evening theme tune yeah. for people of my age was yeah. like oh have I done my homework I know <laughs> do you know what something really amazing happened only a few nights ago I was out um, at a restaurant just down the road from our house um, Afianca this beautiful Italian restaurant and I ran into a girl and she said you used to work with my dad and I was like oh who's your dad she said Mick and ah, I was like McLally. McLally so I ran into McLally's daughter ah. Salog and I and the two I just I just looked at her I was like oh my god she Incredible. has all the gorgeous curly hair and I was like I was you <laughs> this is so funny I can't believe it but it was just so lovely running into her and just kind of catching up you know yeah. it was just so yeah. so nice it was such a much loved iconic yeah, series really. I there'll never be anything like it and uh, you played you played your part in that anyway. I did now I wasn't doing too much acting I was generally kind of buttering ah, toast or listen, walking around in the background it all you counts know? realism no need to act <laughs> Blonde Tracy it's fantastic to have you now where can people find you on Insta now if they want oh to yeah, find, check out that front door. Yeah, Blonde T. 
Planet uh, Yeah. All right. Okay. Listen, that's brilliant. Uh, thanks a million for Thank coming you. in. Thank you. Cheers. Now coming up on The Home Show, our regular Jenny Sheen, another person who has completely refurbed uh, their little home in Dublin, uh, will be here to talk about utility rooms and why it is the must-have for celebrity homes. Do you have a utility room, Planet? Now, listen, our house is very small. <laughs> it's in Stony Matter. We you don't even really have a garden. There. Like, yeah. All right. Well, look, if you want to get your questions into Jenny or indeed talk about utility rooms or send me a picture of yours, uh, then do so on 53106 for 30 cent or email us at We'll be back here in a few moments. You're very welcome back to the home show here on News Talk Radio. I'll be with you till the top of the hour. Uh, and Jennifer Sheehan joins me back again in studio. Jenny, you're very welcome back. Delighted to be here. Because we are talking, well, not really all things laundry and washing, but there, that home in, that room in the home, which is used for all of those things, the utility room. Yeah. Do you have one? I have one and I, I just mentioned the top show there that I had refurbished it during l- last lockdown. Ooh. Uh, now, when I say refurbished, I mean, obviously, I mean, I supervised the refurbishing thereof. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely tiny. I used yeah. to have a big one in my last house. A walk-in, shelves all around, cupboards. I've none of that now. It's right. very, very small. But uh, the biggest decision I made was to get rid of my tumble dryer because I don't need it. It's gas guzzling uh, and drove me mad and very expensive to run Mm. and very bulky. So I got rid of it. It's done. It's gone. Mm. Um, Now, I don't have a clatter of kids to do uniforms and clothes Mm. for and all that. So it's no no big loss, but it has freed up shelves. I even got those little boxes that I painted and all that kind of thing. Labelled. Oh yeah, I felt like you. (laughs) You for a moment. Painting boxes. Myself. Love painting boxes. So I do. So utility room. So the first question is... Do you have one in your no. lovely tiny little home? <laughs> Absolutely not. Where would I put a utility room in my house? I have a cupboard that my washer combo washer dryer goes into. Okay, that's the extent of my utility. Okay, and could yeah. it fit an ironing board and, a, and a, a sweeping t- brush? Or no, 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 no. I I don't have a utility room, and most houses in Ireland are probably a bit too small to have one. But uh, they came. Do you know what they? This I looked into them. This is interesting. They evolved from a scullery, so lots of country big houses would mm. have them, mm. and then they became a bit of a status symbol because you know you can when you when washing machines and stuff like that came in after the war, you could put them away, and all that mess and your grey knickers that are hanging up on the on the dryer could go away in this closed off room. And it does. It, I'd love one. It does make sense to have one, but absolutely do not have one. It's the size of my house. Are you kidding me? It would take up a quarter of my house. Well, it's a funny thing because, you know, from the time that you had staff like maids and all that to do all that yeah. dirty work, laundry and you scrubbing know, and scrubbing and, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that there was a hiatus where, of course, housewives did all their own stuff yeah. in the kitchen and it was incorporated in the kitchen. So it seems to me it's really only since about the noughties yeah. that utility rooms have suddenly been incorporated in new bills and people are demanding them along with the two and a half bathrooms and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So do you think they've become an essential room? So they kind of came along with open plan living. So mm. we had that, you know, the ki- it's like the kitchen. The kitchen really evolved into the centre of the home from the old tiny little galley, you know, that's in the back of the house and you bring the dinner into the front of the house kind of a kitchen. And back then it was fine to have your washing machine and all that in there because it was already away from the rest of the house. And then open plan came in around the noughties and it was all you know, big wide open spaces and everything like that. And then it became a real status symbol. Now, mm. like everything else, when we lost our minds in, in, in the early noughties, 
<laughs> it became a real status symbol to just, you know, give your washing machine its own its own yeah. room <laughs> in and the house. Like we come back, it was a bit like the pantry. Yeah. You know, or the warming drawer. I Suddenly, do like a pantry. needed one, you know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's bank holiday weekend. So I'm thinking that there will be people um, yeah. if the weather isn't great and it's not supposed to be. Um who might want a bit of a project and this is a tiny small thing you can, can be getting on with yeah. quite easily. It's it's not like a vast thing about changing your living room. So what what do you think are the essential pieces of kit yeah. in a utility room? Because you don't need a big one, right? No, it doesn't have no. to be a big room. Even if it's something like, you know, your understairs, little cupboard or something like that, that can be transformed pretty effectively, you know, instead of putting a toilet in there if you don't need one into a little utility room. So all you need is you need your washer and maybe your dryer if you have one. I'll actually say I have the first good combo washer dryer that I have yeah, ever experienced they get a bad rap, don't they, in my life. Combos? Yeah. Well, what I do is I don't use the dryer that much. I usually dry stuff, but some things like towels and a few bits and pieces, they tend to dry a bit hard. So I put, I dry them fully and then I stick them in the dryer for about Just 10 minutes. Them up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. them up. So, so your anyway, washer, come dryer. Washer or washer, right? come dryer. Okay. Yeah. You need some kind of a surface area to stack your laundry or put your laundry baskets or something like that. And that could be a pull out shelf. So if you're doing a little oh, space right. up, you know, it could be one of those things on that pulls hinge, out on a, or on a yeah. hinge that folds down or something like that because it doesn't need to be there permanently. So you could fold it back up away against the wall when you're when you're finished with it. So a okay. little Good shelf idea. or something Good like idea. that. Some kind of a clothes horse or clotheslines are really mm. handy. And mm. per, if you can find somewhere where there's a radiator or something warm already, then it's ideal. My cousin Sarah, if you're listening, has this. It's so clever. Just a little pull down drying rack over the radiator in yeah. her utility. And yeah. then you have, you know, gentle drying and you don't need your, your dryer then after that. Yep. Okay. Uh, if you are that way inclined you can get an ironing board. Now, you see I know you're not. I'm you not. Be, I'm a manic I never ironer. will be. I iron the towels. No, that's mad. You're mad. I Why iron would you do I, that? Even my husband drip dry kind of t-shirt thing no, for sport I, no. I iron those. Oh I can't no. bear I can't no. bear them going back in. Fine but done. get an ironing board if you want and, ha- and have somewhere <laughs> to just so <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. But have you know have you can get little ones you can get these little tiny if it's a small space you can get these little ones that go on a table from Ikea they're about six euro or yeah. something like that and they just fold away really 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 easily okay. or get a steamer. If you're smart. A little handheld steamer. Oh, right. They're the best yeah. things ever. That's okay. what I have and I All love right. them. Now, at the kind of the, the posh end then, what do people do with their... Now, if you've <laughs> loads of space, right? And I yeah. have to say, this is something I want because my poor old dog, when he, get, when he gets mucky paws, he gets the hose out in the back garden and he does love it. But what I've seen on the gorgeous, big, loads of money gone into them, utility rooms on Instagram, is these little pet baths and pet showers and they're so ah, cute. You're kidding me. Huh? And they're all really nicely tiled and they've lovely little shower hoses. Temperature for little pooch. Little ah, for goodness sake. Oh, it's more <laughs> money than sense category there. It's so right. cute. So yeah, if you don't want to be hosing your dog down in the back garden, like I do, you can get a lovely little thing. And that that is actually handy for hosing down, you know, muddy boots or, okay. or anything else that comes in that you don't want to, to drag through the rest of the well, house. That'll be your excuse for putting in the pooch shower, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, I need somewhere for the boots. Yeah. <laughs> and then if we're talking, you know, if we're talking big, you can go mad with the decoration in there. If you have a separate room, even if it's a little closet, that's somewhere where you can really just, you know, lose your mind with decoration like you like some people do in their downstairs bathrooms. You can go mad at wallpaper, you can paint it any colour, go neon if you want, like no one's going to see it. Yeah, because so do whatever you want. Away, it's not the first thing you're going to show visitors yeah. ever. Yeah. I say, come in, look at my utility room. <laughs> Although maybe if you've painted it neon, you'll want to you do might, that. You, you might, you might. Yeah. Doggy 
daycare yeah. <laughs> wet room in there. Um, okay, love so all the neighbourhood. It is, and actually, isn't it a good place to kind of um, test your limits of, <laughs> of decor and paint and frescoes or whatever yeah. it is that takes your fancy? Go for a mural if you've got time this weekend. Go paint a mural on yeah. the side of the or wall. Or you can paint not? even if you have cupboards to open, paint the insides of them, yeah. or you know. Put on yeah. kind of some kind of a mosaic or all right. Okay, loads yeah, and loads of stuff great. to go in there. Okay, would you like a utility? Ah, uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. I'd have, I'd have the little, I'd have Perry's little shower, the little doggy shower, and somewhere would. to store. You know, because I'd be my house. I don't have any back entrance, so I'm dragging in wetsuits and sandy things mm. and mm. you know all sorts of mucky stuff from from being out and about so yeah, I'd love a side entrance see, it's kind of like go. a transition room between yeah. the garden and the house really if, if yeah. abused can be located there because there was old those big old grand houses of old always had a boot room a they? boot room you know yeah, there's something else want. now that'll be the next thing to make that's a comeback won't it a boot room yeah. alright okay so that's the utility room and folks if you have a utility room you've done something a little bit different with it well why not let us know you can tag Jenny in on Instagram at Workers Cottage uh, and she will comment on that and I'm sure say why it's all uh, fabulous and or you've made a huge mistake on it. Especially <laughs> if you paint it neon. I'm mad to see if you paint it <laughs> too. All right. Okay. Many chandeliers, of course. We're always big fan of chandeliers, aren't we? Here in disco balls. <laughs> disco balls. As many it as possible. Perfect for the utility room. Right. Okay. Now, uh, we are now going to talk about a different topic. It's a form of architecture and I already feel in my bones we are going to have to agree to disagree We're not on gonna this agree. one. We're I definitely know. not going to agree on this one. So I call it brutal architecture. <laughs> It's proper Fair. name. Brutalist architecture. Brutalist architecture. Brutalist okay. architecture. Now, in case nobody is quite sure what that is, it's brutal. <laughs> uh, give us the proper, the proper architectural swing towards brutalism. Brutalism. Brutalist. We're really going okay. to disagree on this one because yeah. I adore it. I adore it. It's just one of my favourite topics all right, of all time. I don't time. even know how that's possible. <laughs> I really don't. Go on. When you describe it, okay. nobody else Basically, will Basically, right, if you're listening and you don't know what it is, it, it, it's it's... Concrete. It's the central bank. It's the, there's a lovely library in Bantry, big concrete library. It's that old, you know, the American embassy in Ballsbridge that looks like a spaceship. That's brutalism. Basically, if it's if it's big and blocky and made out of concrete uh, between the 50s and 80s, roughly, that's brutalism. And it's called brutalism, not because it's brutal, oh. but because the French word for Shocker. raw concrete is bet on brute. Oh, so I that's see. where it came from because ah. it evolved out of the UK but then massive drive from France from Le Corbusier famous architect mm. in France. So he bet on brute raw concrete and that's where the word brutalism came from. It's not brutal. That's just a bit. So interesting. It's still Yeah. Brutal. Right. Okay. So I'm that's, obsessed with that's it. when it came back. So tell me why though because it is grey. It's awful looking. Yeah. Ugly, yeah, horrendous. Yeah. Blocky. Yeah. You know all that. Okay, so there's no so what I love and turns and beauty about it at all. It's no, there's no curves. It's very utilitarian. Yeah. There's no beauty in it at all. But there is in the vision of it. So where it came from was after World War Two, there was lots of you know a need for social housing and urban planning, and architects who kind of come up through the urban planning route really just collectively kind of lost their minds and really went in for this brutalist plan. So. Le Corbusier in France had been looking for ways to to create these really kind of utopian, urban, beautifully planned areas. And from a design perspective, it does make sense because that blocky uh, look where there's no lines and there's no curves is actually an amazing use of space. So it came from that kind of postmodern, you know, 
absolutely simplest possible solution to a spatial mm. problem. Mm. And it, that's where the kind of square blocky thing came so from. So like a, a, a simple focal point in a small footprint yes. that did a utilitarian job. So it's yeah. kind of Soviet about that. It's very Soviet. That. And that's one of the reasons that it, it really fell out of favour because it became really popular in the Soviet Union. Okay. And so we've come to associate it with something very totalitarian and grim and kind of yeah, downtrodden. Where aesthetics or beauty isn't, yeah. isn't important. It isn't taken into account. Yeah. Whereas the original plans, at the time there was a huge drive as well in architecture and in design for honesty and integrity and that's where the, wa- the raw concrete came from. So no bells and whistles, no adornments, no messing around. It was just the concrete. But in the plans, this is where they collectively lost their minds. They thought that if they just designed this perfect space for people to live and work and they, you know, the spaces were designed for live and work. Mm. There's apartments, particularly if you look at for, you know, one of the best examples is the, the Barbican in yes, London. Really yes, fast popular. Yeah, and, and still popular and lots of businesses and huge theatre and of course there. Yeah. And, you know, it's much loved of Londoners really, but I think that's as much to do with its location. Yeah. You know, it's lovely. It's down there by the river and it's beautiful to go to and they've gentrified all the way around yeah. it. Uh, it's still an ugly building. So from the outside, it looks like a big concrete wasteland with three stickle brick buildings sticking up on top of it but the apartments are fab and people that move in there tend to stay for a long time because they're really well designed it's extremely durable I can't see it coming back as a movement oh I can (laughs) can you well for all the reasons it kind of has well it evolved a bit I'd say Yeah. like we have glass buildings everywhere now and I would actually argue that that's an evolution in the same style yeah 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 yeah. Uh, tell me what you think do you love it do you hate it uh, can you are you delighted to see the back of it I mean the 50s to the 80s wasn't a stellar design no, period in my view but anyway what do I know what do I know um, but thank you for bringing us the history of that an example yeah. of that and it's interesting to talk about just the different architectural styles um, yeah. that you do see around you and the fact that they're all mashed together alright well Jenny thanks a million for coming in again on the home show and Jenny is of course on Ashworkers Cottage on Instagram and you'll find all of her latest doings and uh, plans and cake making uh, on there and that is all we have time for on the show today if you'd like to get involved in it or you have a question for me or a question for Jenny or a topic you'd like to have us cover well do get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you we read all of those texts at 53106 and emails at com. and of course don't forget to check out our podcast up there in the News Talk app or wherever you get your podcasts from all of our back catalogue and greatest hits are on that. Thanks to Marisa Sullivan, who was producing. Stephen McLoon was on Sound Today. Anton Savage is up next. Have a great bank holiday weekend. And remember, we're here every Saturday at eight o'clock.